Hello and welcome to the Little Minds Big Ideas podcast with the Early Years Network, the podcast where we are talking all things early years from inside and outside our wonderful industry. Today I'm joined by the lovely Ruth Brennan, who is going to talk to us all about her role as an early years lead and teacher in a primary school and thought it would be really interesting to highlight um, the different expectations and judgments that are made when you have a three-year-old daughter, you're also working in the industry, um, and kind of what it is like as mum and teacher in your two different worlds. So firstly, hello and welcome to the podcast. Hiya, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. I really, really appreciate it. I'm really looking forward to sort of diving into mum and, and teacher life. So to start us off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the role that you play within the primary school? Yeah, so I am um, a deputy head in a primary school, but my main, uh, I would say my main role, but that's also <laughs> deputy head's main role, but my, I am early years teacher and lead of early years across the school as well. So it's really, and I really have a passion for teaching the other members of staff in the school, the importance of play, talk, exploration, curiosity, those kind of key fundamental areas in early years that sometimes get forget forgotten yeah. higher up the school and actually it's so important doesn't matter what age they are actually if they can't do those fundamental skills at a young age that's the building blocks for everyone else so I've got a real kind of push for curriculum and early years um and yeah that's basically it actually so how do you find juggling being a working mum especially as your role like you say is it's so big it's so demanding you're wearing your deputy hat your early years hat Building that curriculum, how do you kind of juggle everything? It's really hard work, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> At working in early years with, some, um, with my little girl, Ruby, with such a similar age, is really draining physically and emotionally. And I find sometimes when you've had a hard day at work, it's sometimes hard really to switch off or remember I'm mum now and not teacher. Um, I have to talk to myself and remind myself to stay patient. I think patience sometimes is a bit tricky when I get home because I've had to stay patient and calm with everybody <laughs> in school. And then I get home and then Ruby does one little thing and I'm like, why are you doing that? I'm like, that's not the way to deal with it. So I think sometimes I just need reminding of the difference between mum, Ruby and teacher and also um, not stressing out about my work when I'm with Ruby and actually having that split time I think is really important is and I have to I do have to tell myself that sometimes enough put you put your ideas in your head ready for tomorrow to the side yeah. it's all about family right now and that's important um I try really hard to juggle it in the sense that a bit like what you were saying in one of your other um podcasts before about setting a list what do I need to get done this week for work when can I get it done and also prioritise and then if it's not done, nothing in education is ever done. You've always got a list. The list is always growing. <laughs> All the time. And as soon as, as long as you get your head around that and go, right, that's me done for tonight. I'm going to spend this time with my with Ruby or this weekend. I really try, personally, everyone works different ways. Personally, I work solidly in the week. I've spent time before putting her to bed, but work late evenings to get in. Yeah. But then weekends, family times, full stop. Unless the pressing comes, but really, really try hard to have that work-life balance and actually enjoy Ruby Beard at that age because they grow It's such so a fantastic quickly. age as well, isn't it? Yeah. So much fun. And I just, I get jealous sometimes that in, I don't see 
as much of Ruby in the day when she's learning all these things that I'm teaching the other children. I don't yeah. get that wow moment as a teacher to go, they've got it, it's so good, they've clicked it. I don't get to see that with her because it's such a demanding job. No, definitely. And I guess that kind of, that leads me on to my next question a little bit. Do you ever find yourself crossing your home and work boundaries, becoming that teacher figure to Ruby when you're at home rather than mum when you're at home completely like <laughs> i sometimes you know forget i'm actually at home and i was like yeah. oh mrs brennan <laughs> she just looks at me and i was sorry mummy i'm mummy i'm mummy and that's the way i am now <laughs> yeah which have i got on um is really tricky and also i think those boundaries of when you're looking after other children, other people's children, you do look after them differently. Yeah. And the risk taking is a little bit, you've got more of a control, I guess. Yeah. And when it's with your little girl, I find sometimes my, my husband has to step in and go, no, it's okay. Because I'm like, no, they might hurt themselves or they might do this. Yeah. And actually I'm like, well, no, at school, I'd think about the risk. I'd think about dynamic risk and I'd let them do it if I knew it was safe. And I think sometimes somebody outside needs to say, it's okay. It's going to be okay. It's okay. Yeah, she's fine. She's fine. So yeah, definitely boundaries are, are crossed. And I don't think you can help that. No, I think it's whatever job you're in, isn't it? You you step away from work, but it's with education being so demanding, you're constantly thinking about work. It doesn't matter what you're doing. And if you're with very similar age groups, you go home to Ruby, who's three, and it's, yeah, it just all kind of merges. But then on a positive, it's really great because you think, oh, that worked really well in my class. Do you know what? I'm going to see what it's like with Ruby. We'll yeah. test them out beforehand. Sometimes I go, yeah. oh, but let's try this activity. And she loves it. So I'm like, right, great. I can, I can do it. Obviously, because it's slightly different ages. But use her as like a testing ground, which yeah. is really nice. And, you know, borrowing those resources. Yeah. You know, the opportunities as well is always kind of handy for her. Yeah, definitely. Um. So obviously being in, in the school with lots of other children, how often do you find yourself comparing Ruby to other children? Do you kind of, oh, she does that, she doesn't do that, oh, God, she doesn't do that, or things like that? Yeah. <laughs> I think I've been lying if I said I didn't. I'd like to think I wouldn't, <laughs> yeah. I don't. But it's easy said than done. You just think, oh, hang on a minute, she can do that, but they can't. Or what yeah. happened? Or vice versa, oh, they can do that and she can't. Mm. But I think because understanding... Children, they all develop so differently and in so, at so many different rates yes. and things. It is really hard. And I try really hard to think, actually, they're completely different children. It's like comparing two children in the class, isn't it? Yeah. They're so different and they've got real strengths of certain areas and not in other areas. Yeah. Um, but, it, yeah, it is hard. I do go home and think, oh, sometimes I feel really proud. I'm like, oh, mean <laughs> that. Which just surprised me. Another thing, I'm like, oh gosh, I need to work on that. She's going to school. Yeah, she's going to school soon. I really need to think about that. Yeah. Do you think that being a teacher has impacted the way you look at Ruby's development, especially knowing early years so well and the best ways to teach other children? And do you kind of, when she's at nursery, think, mm, they're saying she can't do that, but I know she can do it, or vice versa. What are you, what are you talking about? She can't do that, but they're seeing it, do you kind of look at development in a different way? Yeah, I do, because actually they all show their strengths and weaknesses in their comfortable spaces sometimes better than others. And I think that's really important for anybody to notice. And sometimes as teachers, when you go in and say, but they can do that, you don't want to be that teacher. You really yeah. don't. You don't want to be that teacher. <laughs> you're just like, oh, but I know she can do that because you 
you just don't want to be that parent that that's that you're the teacher so you expecting yeah. them to do that so I think it's really important to think separately about this is my child's development actually this is where I'm happy that she's where she is yeah I'm happy that she can do it I know she can do it then that's fine. And actually, if nursery tell me that she can do something that I'm surprised, I'm like, great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Push her. Great. Have you ever had to kind of challenge some of the things that nursery say to you about development? Have you ever found that it's been different from what you found? Or do you think that the way that the early years sector, that she, or the setting that she's in has kind of represented her quite well? Do you find... Yeah, I think Ruby kind of fits in in a lot of places anyway. She's a very immersion exploration girl. She yeah. just get involved, get messy. She would do um, everything that she wants to do. She's quite strong-willed. Um, but I do think there has been times that I've thought, actually, I don't think she's maybe being challenged enough yeah. or that she's not had as many opportunities as maybe somewhere else when you when you talk to your yeah. friends in other nurseries and they're yeah. doing something different but then you've got to weigh up actually the happiness I think that's the key Definitely, thing yeah. if your child is happy and then that that helps you it relieves your pressure especially like I said with a pressure job yeah just knowing that she's happy in the environment that she's with in, friends with and, friends yeah she's developing she's moving forward as long as she's not standing still I Definitely. just think yeah and, you know great yeah, I think no, definitely. And also, I think we have to be supportive, like for everybody in the profession, because it is such a hard job. Doesn't matter where you are in early years. I think it's so demanding. It's exhausting physically, emotionally. It's just, and all the resources, everything you got set up and you're planning. I just think I'm not, I would never go in, I don't think, and be like, actually, you need to be doing this, that, and the other. Yeah. We should be a supportive, we should all be here for support. And that's the whole reason why you're doing this is to, yeah, help each other. I think that it's like you said, every like trying to this industry. I think we just sit at the bottom of education, unfortunately. Yeah, even though everyone always shouts about how important those first five years are, but really, I don't yeah. think anyone in the industry really communicates. And I think it always feels like it's a competition, but actually, yeah, everyone wants the same thing. Everybody just wants the youngest children in our generation, to, or in our society, sorry, to to, to thrive. Yeah. And develop and become incredible adults. And I think it, it sometimes gets a little bit frustrating because you think, God, we, we all just want the same thing for these children. It's like, can't we just shout about how amazing everybody is and just yeah, let them thrive? And I think that's actually as well, pointing that I think some of my members of staff, you know, sometimes get sick of me, but I'm like, right, come on, play early years. Don't forget early years. Yeah, it's so important. I think you're right. People do think we're at the bottom and actually it's not. And that's why I must admit in my staff meetings all the time, I'm like, Hang on a minute, this doesn't start at year one, actually. No. It starts well before even the start of school, but come on, we need to think about where we can make a difference. And actually, that's early years. And a lot of staff always like, oh, here she goes again. I'm like, yeah, me. I feel like you kind of get a little bit lost in, in the school in, as, an, as an age group. Do people kind yeah. of see it as year one? Because they sit down and learn. It's very different. Because they are learning. Different. Yeah, exactly. I often get the comments and it's a bit of tongue-in-cheek now because I'll see w- where they are. They're like, oh, reception's only playing. Um, yeah, that's all new. Yeah, you should sure. try. Yeah. Come on, have a go. When that's the thing, though, sometimes they're terrified of coming into reception. They'll stand at the door. They just can't experience it. So I think, um, yeah, because it's two different curriculums, People do see them as separate where they can't fit in because they've finished. We're the end of reception is obviously end of the early years, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So they think, well, that's 
you're done. They're done. And actually, it's not. And that's what I personally am trying really hard to stop. Yes. We can do so much more. Definitely. It is, it is like we are trying to just shout really loud from the bottom for somebody to hear us. And then you get all the things come out in, I mean, we get in the news. There's all these stories about early years. It lasts five minutes and we get a little bit of a song and shout and then, and then it goes back down and it, something else comes around and you just think, no, we need to. I could talk for hours about yeah. the need of early years. Sorry, I've got off. I can play to you. <laughs> um, back to where we were. I do apologise. Went, went off on one over, really. Um, so did you find leaving Ruby in a setting was difficult, even though you probably encourage children to come into reception every day? Like, You're fine. Come yeah. on. But then leaving Ruby, I bet it was a, a different kind of thing. It was so hard. hard so much harder than I thought it was going to be. It really was. I thought, like you said, we're always like, come on, off you go. And you want them to be that independent. But this same time, I was like, oh, I left Ruby the first time, obviously, when she was seven or eight months old. Mm. At that time, I had to go back to work. And yeah, it was really hard. And actually, since then, I think I've probably changed my mindset a little bit of being a, a mum and a teacher. Um because actually it's such a juggling act and the emotions that you can't explain to somebody who doesn't have a child at home and juggling that, their emotions, your emotions, leaving them, the mum guilt, oh my goodness, the mum guilt. Suddenly, I never realised until when I had to leave Ruby first and obviously the long hours and then you're constantly thinking, like we said earlier, you don't switch off. Um, yeah, I find it harder than I thought. Really harder than I thought. And I still do sometimes. How does she go into nursery life? Does she kind of settle? Quite? I know now she's, yeah. like you say, she goes in, she's happy, she's thriving. But at the beginning, how did she kind of... I think it was really tricky, actually, because it was COVID as well. It was a case of I couldn't even step through the foot of the door. So you had to leave her, literally hand them over or leave them on the floor to like get picked up. And it was that was heartbreaking, actually, yeah. sometimes. Um, she actually settled really well. It was more me, and I think it was every time I picked her up, she was happy. She was happy to see me, but she was never really crying when I left her either. She was happy to go to the stand. Yeah. So she actually did really well. Now, that's not everybody. Everybody's, you know, starts differently, don't they? And you can't control that, unfortunately. Um, but I was really lucky. Ruby actually loved it. She loved coming in. She'd always go in. Uh, yeah, I was really lucky. I think it's, you never know, do you? You never know what that no. drop-off is going to be like. Even even now at three, I can imagine it's some days you think, she's not slept. She's, yeah. She's grumpy. She doesn't, she doesn't want to leave me. What am I going to be faced with at the door when we drop her off at eight? I guess it's kind of like an emotional roller coaster. It really is. And then also you can't help but switch off as you're driving to work because obviously I drop off on the way to work. Yeah. So I'm already starting to get into my work mode but then she's yelling around on the background like keep talking about it which is lovely, absolutely lovely. But And I had, again, going back to the question earlier, I have to remind myself, stop, you've got Ruby. Actually enjoy those times, enjoy that talk. You can work and wait a little bit. You can... Yeah, 10 more minutes and then you'll yeah, be there. Exactly, and, yeah. yeah. But you're right, it is hard sometimes in the morning when she... Well, to decide what clothes to wear, and I'm like, but it's forest school, so you can't wear that beautiful pushy dress. <laughs> no, it's not appropriate. And then it's compromising. I try and use the skills at work that you work with. It doesn't work for your own child, does it? I can imagine it, it doesn't. No. It's like, well, well, I have no idea what to do. And <laughs> I, I'll it's just like I've never been around three-year-old. Honestly, some days it is like that. I'm like, 
I do know what I'm doing. I do know my job. I have to do this. Why are you not listening to me? This is what I do. Oh, bless her. Um, have you ever felt any pressure from yourself or others to kind of make sure Ruby's development is above or no? Like, well, how do you yeah. kind of that, manage that pressure if there is any? I think there definitely is. I think as soon as you try, well, I try to not let the people know that I'm a teacher maybe straight away. So when she starts to fool, my idea to not go, I'm a teacher. Because I'll tell you what she's doing. Because you are pressured. Well, they're, they're expecting you, that child's going to be all right because they're the teacher. They've got a teacher yeah. as a mum. And actually, I've taught children who have had teachers as mums. And actually, you know, it's not always. No. Like, we have to juggle everything. It's not as easy as that. So I think the pressure is there that, oh, well, they're, they're all right. They've got a teacher as a mum. They'll be fine. You don't have to worry about them. Or, or expectations of, well, they know how to do that. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I might not have got around to that. And I'm no, going to go with it. her interest. If she doesn't want to write, she doesn't want to write right now. It's, no, yeah. It's a different, it's kind of balancing your parental style, isn't it? And your teaching style and finding that middle ground, I think, yeah. on what suits you as a person. So doing this with me could be a completely different conversation to another teacher with a child. Yeah. In that they've found a different way of managing that. But I think that Anyway, when you go in, pressure, whether you're dropping off at nursery, dropping off at school, they do, I think people do look at you. Other teachers look at teachers and go, well, she knows. Yeah, she thinks what they're doing. My child knows what they're doing. Yeah. Do you think there's ever like, do do you put your pressure on yourself or do you feel like it's mainly from outside looking in? Um, I do put pressure on myself. I think think it's a bit of the mixture because you hear about what goes on, I think. I really try hard not to push her and academic and I'm one to be like, just talk, talk, talk. Don't run the supermarket. I'm one of those friends, those annoying ones. That's that's the talk about everything. Let them have the shopping list. Talk. Where's the bananas? Can you get the bananas for me? What does it start with? Can you find that letter on there? So I do it without kind of doing it, if you know what I mean. So I am pushing, putting pressure, I guess, because I want her to learn, but immersing the life as well. Yeah. And actually supermarkets are so important to be like, Teach oh yeah. so many things, and it, but then on the flip, when she wants to do it and you're just in a hurry, then you're. Someone to spell bananas right now. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, bananas is a bad word. She can't spell bananas, by the way. <laughs> she She's so intelligent. Yeah. <laughs> she can't do that. I think anybody that's ever probably been around Ruby yet could could understand that you do that with her because mm. her vocabulary is. You, you you know you can have a full-blown conversation with her and it, nothing gets lost in translation. She's kind of there. So it's like you say, you're doing it without even realising that it's And then happening. I feel like I, I encourage her when I do my um, my information evenings to new parents, I just say to them, I'm not asking you to do that. All I want you to do is talk to your child talk. all the time. Yeah, exactly. That's all. I don't think that's, that's too much to ask. No. You talk to them and don't ignore them all the time and talk, 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 talk. Yeah, it's like, I always say to people in like when I go into baby rooms, all I want to hear is a running commentary of your day. I don't care if the babies are just looking at you, but if you you need to just, when you're making a bottle, what are you doing? One scoop, two scoop, three scoop, under the thing, press, like you just constantly talking because the only way children learn language is by being exposed to language. And when you, when you think, well, I don't know about you, but I think about it, in the industry, I think it's so simple. Obviously, how they're going to learn, but if you don't know it, yeah, it's really hard to maybe get that 
Yeah, and I think sometimes when I do these information events, I feel like I'm teaching people to suck eggs, if you like, like just uh, to just tell you, that's all I want you to do. But then it doesn't come naturally to some people, no. does it? And, and also thinking as a teacher and a mum, you've talked all day. Gotcha. Then go home yeah. and having to talk and do the running commentary with your child. And that's why I said sometimes I have to remind myself, right, come on, you've, you've been preaching all day to do this. <laughs> you've got maybe another couple of hours to do, then you can switch off. And then you can just sit. Yeah. And then my husband's like, do you want to talk? No. No, thank you. <laughs> no, I'm spoken to everybody else today. You can just tomorrow. I think sometimes, I mean, I heard a story once. It was, I think it was when I was training and they said a little boy was going for speech and language and they sort of said to them, um, so how often do you talk? And she said, oh, well, well, he never talks back. So I don't really talk to him. And the speech and language, so I, I think it was a speaker when I was doing my, my course and they said, and they're like the problem because yep. this child had never heard any speech because he wasn't talking back. And I was just, it just blows my mind sometimes. Yeah. And it shouldn't because it's all about educating parents and adults as well as the children. But sometimes I do have to think, come on, Emily, like you, you not everybody studied it. Not everybody understands child development and how children learn. So, but I find that difficult sometimes. But just talk. even talk to my husband, I find that difficult. Yeah, <laughs> tell him. Yeah. Just explain to him what you're doing. Don't just snap at her. Why are you doing this? Yeah, those things. There. Talk it through. And, and you, you're right. I just think it's natural. Yeah, but actually, it's not to somebody who's not no. in the industry at all. Like putting the child's shoes on with them, I could probably make last for five minutes because we're just chatting through. What do the shoes look like? Yeah, what are they? Which foot does it go on? Can you do the lace issue? Do the belt? Like you could just do it. Whereas some people, yeah. Just, She's on. Done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And off they go. So, yeah, I think it's it is interesting, and that's another that's another conversation yeah. about <laughs> parents. But um, in terms of like you said, with family time, mm-hmm. what have you found works best for you? How do you balance it? Like you, you said, you don't weekends are family. So is that what you kind of stick with? Yeah, I really, really try hard to do that. I try not to look at emails and things. I really get all my planning done, resources done. So I do stay slightly later on a Friday so that I'm ready for the Monday. So then I can literally just switch off. Yeah. There's no excuse now. This is pure family times. And then I try in the week to, when I get home, obviously I picked her up from nursery, I get home, I spend a bit of time with her rather than worried, well, I need to do this job, that job, the other job, you need to get this. That can wait. Yes. It's not actually putting her to bed is so important. Reading yeah. those stories to her every single night, singing to her, singing like that, just talking about her day. And I'm quite lucky. I think I try and fit that in because we've got a bit of a journey because I drop her on the way to work. So she's nearer work than she's home. Yeah. Got that car journey, which is a really nice time actually that she can just... She does sometimes say to me, I just need I'm like, okay. And then she gets halfway home and she's like, okay, I'm ready to talk to you. Oh, it's so good that she can tell you that though. Like she's yeah. a, that, is that that boundary, isn't it? I'm not ready to talk yet. I'm like she's, she's all been talking all day. Oh, yeah. my teachers at preschool have been talking at me all day and I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> do you think that she enjoys those car like, journeys? Because you can't look at your emails when you're driving. Yeah. To be in that moment. Yeah, I think she does, actually. I think she it gives her that time to... She loves talking about food. She's very food-oriented. That's a starting point in every time. <laughs> what have you had for breakfast? What have you had for lunch? <laughs> what have you had for tea? And she gets in the middle of the bush, she's like, no, 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 let me start again. And I think she just... She quite likes recounting her day a little bit. Yeah. But interestingly, at that time, she's actually... Doesn't tell me as much. It's very much the everyday kind of things. Whereas at, when you get bedtime, when she's calm, when she's had a nice bath and she's 
that's when suddenly something comes out about nursery or she's fallen out with this person or this person did something that she didn't like. And then, and I know sometimes it is tactic because she knows then I would sit and listen and then bedtime gets later and later. But also I think that's important. Okay, I'm going to, I am going to spend time and I'm going to listen to you. I'd listen to my children at school. So yeah, if they wanted to tell you something during the day, you'd make that time to be there and listen. It's got to be the same at home, isn't it? It's not easy. And there are some days, I mean, I'm saying this like, you know, that's what I do every day. Some days I'm not, I'm, I'm only human. I'm yeah, definitely. Kind of, oh, I get, I snap at her. I, you know, you can't help it sometimes. And you, that's why I said sometimes I have to go, right, breathe. Let's get on. Let's use those. Tech. And what about time with your husband? How do you kind of, I'm going to say fit that in, but I'm imagine you're going to say, no, it doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously we do. Um, After we've gone to bed, you get that, but do you, do you find it important that you two still need to have, because you're with children all the time and can imagine you just want some adult yeah. conversation sometimes. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, Ruby loves going to pub park, which is great because that gives us our adult conversation yeah. time. She goes off to play in a little park here and have a special fruit shoot. So that's quite nice for husband time as well. Yeah. So you can have that adult conversation, but still feel like you're in a family situation. Yeah. And then she pops over. Um. I probably could do with some more, but it's spitting it in, isn't it? And with Jim on top and those other things and time and time for yourself as well. Definitely. Um, All the reading that we all seem to do, we're all a bit martyrs in that, aren't we? We never want to stop learning ourselves. Yeah, it's like I'm just in the middle of something else and something else and it drags on and on. And I guess it's, but I think weekends, like you say, are really important. Being in a school, you don't, we're not open on a, we're not open. The builders are not open. There's no children to worry about. So I'm in this moment and yeah. I'm present. So I think it's working out what works best for individual families, isn't yeah. it? Because I know some families that leave early in the week and they spend that time, but then work on a Sunday before work. Yeah. And that works for them. I think you've just got to make sure, in my opinion, that you make that time, those that split time. I think that's important. Whether, it doesn't matter how you do it, but you have family time and you have work time and you try not to cross them over. Yeah. Um, so in the school, as early as need and deputy, what is the part that you find most rewarding? What do you... The click moment. Yeah. That, that's why I do it. It's, it's that when a children achieve something, either they've set out to do or you've kind of given them the challenges to do and they just, they light up at the face and the appreciation, the fascination of the surprise to themselves. I've done it. Yeah. Amazing. And just the questions and the constant, the sponges at this age, aren't they? They just are questioning all the time. And for me as well, I think they come into me with very little reading and writing and they leave and they read and write. I just think I'm amazed every time. Every year I'm like, oh my goodness, like... They did it, yeah. They've done it. The, the progress they make in early years doesn't matter whether they're one or they're four. I think each year is an early year. It's so big and I think they click, click, click all the time. There's never that standstill. It's no. so quick to get that click moment. I think that's why, that's the best things about, you know, most rewarding things about a job is just knowing you've given them the skills to do that. You've helped them there. It's life skills, without, isn't it? Yeah. They'll take with them. And I think forever. without telling them how to do it. I mean, I'm working with a few MTAs and at the moment practitioners at the moment that are very, very motherly, which is great, but actually you need to be teaching them the skills. You need to not do it for them. 
give them the opportunities, question them, facilitate, and then that take moment is even better because yeah. they've, even, they've done it themselves. Done it. Yeah, and you've just kind of facilitated around it, give them that and questioned. I think for me, that's the biggest thing is when they achieve something that they've set out to do and they lock their little face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. no days are the same as well. And I love that. Uh, yeah. It's rewarding because you might have a really awful day. It might have not gone well at all. And you think, oh, okay, another day. And the next day, they just found fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you get those tip moments again. Yeah, I would say every day in early years, is the routine is there, but no day is the same. You'll be doing different activities. Yeah. I mean, in schools, it's slightly different from sort of an early years setting. There's different children in on those sorts of things. And you, you just, yeah, the weather, the weather will play a part. Like, what are we doing? Are we Can we do everything that we plan to do do we have to change it and you have to be flexible as well in in early years you can't if you've got a plan and it doesn't go to plan you have to just accept yeah that and sometimes that's really hard especially when you spend a lot of time to, to get your results yes and do it <laughs> and i think yeah you're absolutely right but actually the child interest going with that push that it's like they can be used another day exactly it's, yeah it's never going to be wasted is it no or if, if an activity doesn't go the way you thought it was going to that's okay too because yeah. the child's got something out of it and they're learning. But that sometimes got hard, I think, with people coming into the early years. Mm. It's like, oh, well, they didn't do this. I that's planned fine. to do that. Yeah. And, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, We can do something. I didn't get any of this stuff done. That's yeah. fine, but what did you get done? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's changing the mindset. Oh, Definitely. I didn't get that done to actually what did you get done. Definitely, yeah. Um, and off the back of that, what have been kind of the challenges that you face either daily or you face that biggest challenges? I think um, changes in the legislation, government, I think everyone can agree with that. Um, like you said, the pressures of understanding play, the arguments and, well, not even arguments, professional discussions yes. around play. And like I said, they are just playing. Actually, yes, but I feel like I'm constantly having to argue yeah. what the importance of so playing. Just come and watch this child play and I'll tell you exactly what they're getting out of it. Yeah. Well, you go first and you tell me what they're not getting out of it and then I'll tell you what they are getting out of it. And and I keep on talking because exactly. there's that many things that cross all the curriculum. Um, and time as well, isn't it? It's just, especially with having Ruby, you can't fit in as much in the day. Just, no. You just can't because you've got to have that balance of family time as well. So, yeah, time and government. Yeah. Stop. I don't think we're going to that no, today. that's another conversation, Absolutely. isn't it? Um, and then, yeah, I think pressure, I, I, you know, oh, they're just playing in there. And I think it's more apparent when you come to school because early years is very different yeah. as reception class to the rest of the school. So when they come down and you're sat on the floor being a pirate one day and <laughs> the next day you're in the sandpit like buried and people just think well he's just having a lovely time and you're the deputy head you thinking <laughs> what's she doing it is sometimes and it's like actually no I'm doing my job yeah and you're doing your job it's very different and then the next day yeah, I'm in there watching their lesson persuasion going actually you're not doing this side and the other <laughs> we're going to work on this <laughs> do you find that um, for me I always think when I think about the challenges like you said it's time it's, it's the government but I always actually find it's adults that create my challenges in early years. There's challenging behaviour from the children. Of course there is. There's different things that you face every day with the children. But actually the biggest challenges come from the grown-ups, not the children. Like I said before, trying to teach some of the grown-ups how to facilitate a non yeah. is really challenging. 
them having the mindset of, I'm going to get involved, I'm going to be a child again. I think sometimes yeah. you hear that, I need to stand here and watch and observe and that's me doing my job. No, that's not doing, doing your job, actually. Um, yeah, I completely agree. Sometimes it is quite hard to direct the adults yeah. to do what they're supposed to be doing, manage what they're doing as well as what you're doing and model the right way of doing doing what you'd expect, those expectations of it, of life and in an early years setting. It's so difficult, isn't it? Do you find, obviously with yourself, how many te- the earliest teachers do you have and do you have any like TAs who aren't qualified in the industry? How does your setup is that? So there's myself as a teacher and then I have a TA in the morning and a TA in the afternoon. And depending on specific children's needs, I may have one-to-one. So currently I do have a one-to-one in there as well. Um, they, I think... I've been in the industry a long time, but things have changed quite a lot yeah. since they started. So sometimes it's quite hard for me to go, well, yes, that's what you did however many years ago, but this is the new way of doing it now and this is what I expect to see. I think that's quite challenging sometimes. Um, Especially when people aren't doing their job badly, you just want to see it a little bit differently and it's kind of it's reteaching what we know as learning through play is so important to people that maybe don't always see it as a priority yeah. sometimes. yeah, Sometimes even changing that word. So when I first went into early years, I changed it to those words. It's learning through play. And even the children say that now, it's time for learning through play. So they're there understanding and anybody that comes in knows actually, yeah, we are playing, but we're learning. They don't know how, they, obviously the children don't know how in-depth they're learning, but... <laughs> Even just that vocabulary is quite useful. yeah. Um, but I think with the difference between obviously nursery and school, there is less adults to children because of their age, which can be quite hard to see everything, to make observations of everything. Pressures, obviously, from the teacher doing all the data or the baselines or yeah. the, the tick list stuff, rather than actually getting involved with them can be a challenge, I think, yeah. because sometimes you have to... I don't know, tick the boxes to say you've done it because pressure's higher above yeah. and you don't necessarily agree with it. I think everybody has those, don't we? We do things because we don't necessarily agree with them because it's not the time to fight for it exactly, and yeah. wait for the time to maybe have those conversations. Yeah, It's always it's the outside pressures as well, isn't it? But yeah. I've had conversations with people about sort of early years within schools when officers come and you get five minutes and you think, no, goodness, yeah. Why do I not get a whole day like a setting would or a preschool would? Because it's not preschool, it's the year above preschool. But if you were in a separate building on your own with these 30 kids or however many you've got in your class, you'd have nine till three with this offset inspector. But in a school setting, it feels like the rest of it's more important and you're just kind of... Yeah, completely. And I must me my last off said, you know, I'd be dragging them in. I was like, no, you will see what we're doing here. Uh, but they, but it's tricky because Ofsted is about school improvement people. They're not, when they come into schools, early, unless you get somebody who's actually passionate about early years, actually been in an early year, they don't understand early years. They're scared of it. They are going back to, you know, what we said earlier. People get to that door and they're like oh they're touching me they're all over you but I was gonna say it's because the children don't have those boundaries and they're not frightened to well if you've got nice obviously into um what was I say social children that want to get involved and independent they will go and talk to someone who walks into the room yeah. because it's their safe space they feel comfortable to do it so when other teachers or an inspector or someone walks in it is a bit like oh 
there's all these kids all over me, what do I do? And it kind of puts them off. I did have one head um, before that would literally would not step foot. He'd knock on the door and I'm like, yeah, I'm coming. I'm calling you out. And it's like, oh no. And by the end of it though, I mean, I again thought that's just me. I forced him in and actually it's about not being scared and actually getting people into early years. And I'm doing that a lot with my subject leaders at the moment in other areas, like we said. Actually, no, you will. Non-negotiable. You're going to spend at least some of your subject leader time in early years to actually see it in action here because that's where it starts. Definitely. I think it's, um, it's like we said, pushing for these little children and these little people that we're creating and helping to develop that, no, they've got a voice and it's not as loud as ours, so we will do it for them and then... It's always the loud opinionated people in early years, I feel, but I think it's the best way. I don't think, and everybody would say that, I think think everyone would fight for early years because we're so passionate about it, aren't we? definitely. Um, Did you always know you wanted to be in education? No. No? Not (laughs) at all. Um, If I'm being brutally honest, I um, was actually going to be an RES pilot. Oh, wow. Yeah. Until I wrote off my car on the way to the nice, <laughs> brilliant. That was like the universe. Like, don't do it. Do yeah. not do it. So at that point, I was like, right, what else can I do? What else am I good at? And I've always always kind of been in leadership, kind of roles, growing up with um, sports teams and um, St John Ambulance and things like that. So I thought, actually, I like having that. And why yeah. not? And let's learn why. And now, I wouldn't look back. I, I actually don't know what I would do. Yes, it's stressful. Yes, it's demanding. Yes, it is of your whole life in certain ways. Just thinking, you see something in the shop and you go, that would be amazing. I love the hard have that for early, early years and you can't. Sort of, but actually, I don't know what more I'd what no, I do. Me neither. Yeah. I, think, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't think I'm good at anything else now. I'm like, oh, it's not about development. <laughs> yeah. That would be it, I think. Yeah, it's... It's a very big U-turn, that, though, from... Yeah, very big. I don't know. I couldn't pinpoint the moment that it happened, to be fair. Just just happened. It happened, yeah. And then it was just the right... And then it's just gone on for however many years now and just... <laughs> just love it. Yeah. yeah. Do you think you would ever sort of step away from early years and go into different age groups or do you think early years is so I did it the other way really I started oh, okay, yeah. older and come down to early years and now no I don't want to leave it I don't want to leave it at all um, I think it would be a big jump to move out of it now I think I'm You'd have the year fives in the sandpit and <laughs> I think they'd be worried actually what I would go going going in So we're doing science because I promise <laughs> Yeah um, it's amazing actually you get asking the year fives if they want to come and spend some time in your reception oh my gosh they're down here like but they do yeah shots um, yeah so I think my heads probably wouldn't let me spend anywhere else you done yeah um, and then my final question that I've been asking everyone what was your favourite childhood memory as we are talking all things early years mine would be going down to the bottom of where I lived and playing in the woods, jumping over the stream, climbing the trees. And I, I mean, that proves I'm in forest school now, we're doing forest school. It kind of, that's where I, I loved. I loved it when a child, you'd play Kirby and then you'd walk down the bottom, you'd be, we'd had this, I can it, absolutely envision it, this stream that went down the bottom to the big lake. And well, it wasn't, it's not even that big, but it was because I was tell you when I'm thinking about it. And just getting muddy and coming back, looking a state, I loved it. 
just being outdoors and exploring and being yeah. a child. Being on the bikes as well, being my other one, riding around, bikes, outdoors, yeah. And I think, and I try really hard to make sure we incorporate that because then sometimes that can be lost, can't it? Um, I think that's just because of my passion. I've, but yeah, 100%. I even remember a teddy bear's picnic down the bottom from school where we did that in where we lived, down the bottom, in the stream, and a child actually fell into the stream. It was very funny. <laughs> The paperwork. <laughs> I know, yeah, but at that time, I, was didn't there, care. I think it was a reception at the time. It's like, yeah, I didn't care. I think it's funny what you remember from childhood, isn't it? And then how it kind of, like you said, now forest school is yeah. saying you really want to incorporate because of that those happy memories of being outside. I mean, if you'd fallen out of a tree, maybe forest school wouldn't have been the route that you took. But I think it, there is such a link and that's why creating such happy memories in early years is is really, really important. Yes, so important. And actually, when you look back and ask little children who are your favourite teachers, a lot of them actually remember the earliest teachers. Definitely. Because they make such an impact in such a small, short space of time when they're still developing and learning all these amazing things. So, But yeah, so thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I've been really interested and I think there's probably a hundred more topics we can (laughs) cover rather than just parenthood and, and being a teacher. So... So yeah, thank you so much. No, thank you. And um, thank you for listening, everybody. And we will see you in the next one. Bye.